Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 17th of August. An emergency meeting of the UN Security Council has been held as a humanitarian crisis continues to unfold in Afghanistan after the Taliban took control of the country. Up to seven people have died at Kabul airport as thousands tried to escape, some desperately hanging onto the side of planes as they took off later plunging to their deaths from the sky. Confronting video showing others running beside and trying to jump on a US Air Force plane as it was crossing the tarmac. After a 20-year war costing thousands of lives and trillions of dollars, just moments ago, the US President Joe Biden addressed the world. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw US forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risks. Meantime, human rights experts at the United Nations say countries cannot stand on the sidelines with the Taliban, a UN-listed terror organisation. Archie Law from Save the Children says a staggering amount of people have been displaced by this takeover. Up to 72,000 children have arrived in Kabul, uh, fleeing their homes and heading to the capital. Um, many of them living on streets, couple and tents, uh, not having enough to eat, uh, drinking dirty water out of the streets. Meantime, 250 Australian Defence Force personnel are being deployed to assist with the ongoing operation to evacuate Australian citizens from Afghanistan. Back home to the latest on the COVID crisis now, and there's a COVID outbreak at a cancer unit at a major Sydney hospital. Three patients and two staff have tested positive at St George's Hospital's oncology ward. It's understood both staff members are fully vaccinated, while the patients are not. Meantime, a further two schools in Sydney's west are now on alert after a positive case was detected in the school community. Yesterday was the darkest day yet of the pandemic for New South Wales, with eight deaths and hundreds of new cases. Here is the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian. Our community transmission numbers are disturbingly high. We had 478 cases of community transmission to 8pm last night, and we can't stress enough how hard all of us have to work to reduce these numbers, to reduce the growth of the spread. Meantime, health authorities are describing the situation in western New South Wales as incredibly concerning, with almost 100 active COVID cases in a matter of days. The majority of the cases are in children and Indigenous communities. To Victoria, where the state's lockdown has been extended until at least the 2nd of September after 22 new COVID cases yesterday. Premier Daniel Andrews slamming those doing the wrong thing. But how many engagements have been postponed? How many weddings haven't happened? How many funerals have happened with a handful of people? It's selfish. They are shitty choices. And they will keep us all locked down for longer than we should be. I'm angry. We're all angry. Most of all, I'm angry because it takes away from the brilliant work that millions of Victorians are doing every single day. 
The Premier also announced tough new restrictions with a 9pm to 5am curfew now in force and playgrounds and skate parks off limits. In the ACT, its lockdown has been extended also, this time for at least two weeks after the state recorded 19 more cases yesterday. Authorities are concerned about an aged care home after a staff member worked while unknowingly infectious and a local high school has also been closed after a student tested positive. While Darwin and Catherine in the Northern Territory have been plunged into a snap three-day lockdown, a man in his 30s arrived in the top end for work last week. Initially, he tested negative after leaving hotel quarantine in Sydney, but then returned a positive result when he arrived in Darwin. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground and we return to New South Wales where the state has recorded its highest number of deaths and COVID cases since the pandemic began. It comes after eight weeks of restrictions with no end in sight. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tart, a devastating story yesterday with a 15-year-old boy who was battling COVID-19 passing away. Our state's chief health officer, Dr Kerry Chant, says the teenager's cause of death was meningitis. I can confirm that he died from pneumococcal meningitis. Um, He also was a COVID-positive case. He had been vaccinated against pneumococcal disease as a child, um, had had received some vaccines, But it is important to know that the vaccine may not have covered the particular strain that was involved in his death. It comes as it's revealed his parents are also in hospital battling COVID. And in Queensland, the Premier is taking no chances introducing tough new border restrictions. Police will be checking every single vehicle attempting to cross state lines and from Friday, essential workers travelling into Queensland will need to have at least one dose of the COVID jab. Our reporter David Shiraz has the latest from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. Well, the state recorded its second day of zero COVID cases yesterday, but the Premier and Chief Health Officer aren't taking any chances given mask restrictions are set to ease this weekend. As the rest of Australia deals with increasing cases and lockdowns, the Sunshine State is experiencing relative freedom with new measures to make sure Queenslanders are kept safe, but COVID is kept out. The essential worker list has been drastically reduced, with only a select few allowed to cross the border, impacting many who work in one state but live in another. Lengthy delays are expected at the crossing again this morning. Now, the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Business and consumer confidence is certainly taking a hit at the moment as the ongoing lockdowns continue across the country, with JB Hi-Fi seeing a drop in sales. Yeah, that's right. We spent a lot of time talking about the, the health issues, and we should, and the public policy issues, and we should, but you guys cover that elsewhere. This time, it's a JB Hi-Fi story. They had a spectacular growth in profit last financial year, so year ending June 30. Their profit was up by about two-thirds, except in the first six weeks of the new financial year, so basically July and August so far, they started down about 15%. On the previous year now remember of course that year was up massively on the year before so it's really hard to draw direct comparisons but it's a reminder that last year we kind of bounced back with pandemic spending we bought tvs and sofas and computers and all that kind of stuff this year jb hi-fi really struggling to repeat the dose and as you say it does have an impact on how much money we're spending and the flow through for the economy and this is an interesting story scott uh, google reported to be planning to cut pay of remote workers yeah this is the sting in the tail of working from home task now i will say up front 
the company has said they've ruled out doing it for Australian workers. So we shouldn't take half of a deep breath if we are working from home or planning to or wanting to. But around the world, companies are increasingly saying to people, hey, if you want to work away from the office, that's fine, but here's a pay cut. Now, you know, and I know that workers can be more productive from home than at the office. So you wonder whether this is genuinely uh, a performance-related number or simply because they feel like they can and they're going to try it on. But it's a reminder to all of us that the working from home story may yet have, as I said, that sting in the tail. If Google can do it for workers around the world, the change to pay packets coming down the pike for us may yet be uh, at least impacted slightly by where we choose to work or simply the total dollar value of where we want to work compared to other people who might be working somewhere else. Mm, watch this space. And Australian exporters yeah. may have to pay a carbon tax even if Australia doesn't have one. Yeah, this is also a really important one because – you know, we're, in, we're living in a global world. We, we, we know certainly over the last two years, if we've learned anything we've learned about globalisation between education, tourism, imports, exports, um, supply chains, and frankly, where we choose to spend our money, this also can impact on Australia's exporters. Now, we know the carbon tax story has been going on and on and on here in Australia, and um, we won't get into the politics of it. I have a, have a view. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say that the Europeans are going to go ahead anyway, whether Australia does or not, and implement what they're calling a carbon border tax. Basically, they're going to say, if you guys are importing carbon-intensive uh, products into Europe, in other words, exporting from Australia, and you haven't paid an equivalent carbon tax, we're effectively going to apply a tariff for all intents and purposes to your exports. Now, if you think about the amount of steel, aluminium, fertiliser, other things Australia makes and sends overseas, even if we don't do anything specifically here, it is going to hit the profits, it's going to hit the prices, and it's going to hit the investment opportunities for Australian businesses. And probably a reminder as to why Australia probably should think about getting on board at least with, with a tax system that makes sense globally to make sure our exporters aren't disadvantaged. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Dash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett Cronulla has given a health update on Andrew Fafida who remains in intensive care in hospital after that nasty hit to his throat. Yes, good morning, Tash. He's been placed in an induced coma due to that uh, injury suffered in the Sharks' loss to the Knights on the weekend in an incident that didn't look anything more than just a regular hit-up that a prop would take several times in a game, but afterwards was having trouble breathing, was looked at by paramedics, taken to hospital, and then yesterday they've decided to place him in that induced coma. Uh, was expected that he could be woken up last night, so no doubt we'll get another update uh, from the Sharks this morning. It is expected he will need surgery. Just in some other injury news, man uh, can breathe a sigh of relief. Tom Trebojevic has revealed he avoided any major damage to his cheekbone in a collision with Eels winger Mike Acevo over the weekend. And Tommy Turbo's told Nine he wants to line up against the Raiders on Friday night. No, no, no fracture, no fracture at all. Yeah, just there's a bit of swelling around the area from the, the contact. So it looks a little bit sore, but said there that he has avoided a fracture. So good news for Manly as they push for the top four. And Brett, to the AFL, a very popular, almost a legend of the game. He is a legend. A Carlton veteran has announced his retirement and plans to play a role in stamping out racism in the game. Yes, this is uh, Eddie Betts. As you said, probably one of the most popular players across the entire AFL in the last uh, decade or so. Some talk yesterday he was going to retire. He made that official last night telling his teammates and then posting on social media. Now, he's been in the news in recent weeks with that passionate, emotional uh, response to Taylor Walker, a former teammate of his who was banned for six weeks for racially vilifying an opponent in a reserves game. And uh, overnight, North Melbourne has condemned a former player for a racist post on social media.
A bet says the fight against racism will continue. I believe that I have a big part to play now, uh, the next chapter in my life here in Australia, throughout the AFL industry as well, and that's stamping out racism. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to, to try and make change here in Australia and throughout uh, the AFL. But I think first we can talk about his exploits on the field. We'll line up for the Blues in his 350th and last game on Saturday night against the Giants, and I reckon he's got a couple of uh, tricks in store in that game as well. Can't wait. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. And tennis star Naomi Osaka has announced she will donate the cheque from her next tennis tournament to support relief efforts after the devastating earthquake in Haiti. A 7.2 magnitude quake has killed almost 1,300 people and injured thousands more. Osaka, who is of Haitian and Japanese descent, tweeted the announcement saying, I know our ancestors' blood is strong and will keep rising. How good is that? And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. Stay safe. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.